What's going on, guys? It's Yahavi David, St. Clair Speaks, and you are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast on platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything that you need in a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app and start your journey today. It's that time. It's St. Clair Speaks. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show. You are now tuned in to the St. Clair Speaks show. What's going on, guys? Welcome back to the St. Clair Speaks show podcast. I'm your host, Yahavi St. Clair. Now, guys, I am sitting here with another impactful, incredible guest. I have the honor to sit down with CEO and founder of Little Bird Marketing, Priscilla McKenney, uh, podcast host, influencer keynote speaker. This woman is impacting lives through business marketing and content marketing. Now there are a list of talking points that I want to dive into. I wrote down a list of like, literally kid you not like 40. And I'm like, okay, I have to cut this down because I want you guys to get as much information from Priscilla as possible. Now we're going to dive into all things, of course, clubhouse. We're going to dive into persona development. What is that and how that could benefit you strategies to growing on LinkedIn and what is the real battle between LinkedIn and clubhouse and how can these two platforms coexist for you to expand your brand without further ado, Priscilla McKenney, please give our audience a three to five minute introduction on yourself. And of course, what brings you onto the St. Clair speak show podcast. Awesome. Well, I think number one, you and I share a love of seriously great energy. So I think that's why I'm here. So you you obviously are passionate about what you do. I'm passionate about what I do. But I think more than anything, I'm passionate about all of us doing things that matter. We need to stop wasting time. Stop wasting time on uh, social media. Stop wasting time on all of this, this advice that's out there. There is no shortage of advice about you should be doing this for marketing. You should be doing this. And it's just, it, it's overwhelming. And so where I bring my passion is to say, I want to be able to help entrepreneurs, marketers, uh, business owners, what, whatever, whether they're small or enterprise scale, I want them to give them the power to say no to things. So I am the CEO of Little Bird Marketing. Uh, we are a team of about 15 creatives here who have all kinds of different skills. So the idea being, instead of hiring one person to help you with marketing, you can pay that same amount and get all 15 of us and our different expertise. Um, and you get to pick and choose based on the deliverables you want. But really where we hone in is that we are a digital content agency for the express purpose of generating leads. <laughs> People ask me a lot of times about different metrics or what number should we get on this or when should we post this or what's the ROI and all these kinds of things. And at the end of the day, I just like to tell people if it doesn't feel like you're actually printing money in the back of your business, then it doesn't matter what number or what KPI you need to be making money. So can we quit talking about all these little preferences and these little, you know, uh, things that we're tinkering with and trending and all this other kind of stuff, what platform I should be at? I don't care about that so much as I care. Do we have a system that is repeatable and sustainable for you to get leads? So however we get there, that's what I'm interested in doing here at Little Bird Marketing. That is very interesting because, you know, there's so much information. There's a lot of noise out there. So we're getting pulled from various different uh, areas. How can we, how can we like really just hawk in and niche down on that one particular thing that works for us? 
Well, I think that's interesting the way that you said that. How do we hone in on the thing that works for us? And I think actually it's a mindset shift. Mm. It's not about what works for you, Yavi, or what works for me, Priscilla. It means what works for our most ideal client. You mentioned that you wanted to talk with me about uh, persona development, and that is absolutely my sweet spot. And um, I really am convinced that it doesn't matter what I want or what you want as the owner. We need to think about what is the most pressing, maybe even persistent or newly emerging need that our most ideal client has. And that's what we need to fixate on. We also need to fixate on where their eyeballs are. Where are they looking for help? How can we meet them in that process? You know, I'll tell you a scary statistic, but this was even before COVID. Uh, HubSpot came out with a statistic from a pretty extensive research uh, piece that said that by the year 2025, 85% of B2B decisions will be made online. Those connections will be made online and the purchase will be made online. Enter COVID. Can you imagine? We're going to be so far beyond that. And my expertise happens to lie in B2B, but all of those principles really do apply to B2C. They just get nuanced and maybe they jump onto different platforms. But the point here is that we cannot be led by our own preferences. We need to think long and hard about who we serve, who we serve best, and how we need to actually be very attentive to their needs and, and the way that they need to receive our message. If we do that, we're already on the right track for our marketing. All right. So let's, I want to play devil's advocate for with you. you a little go. Bit. Okay. <laughs> Take it. I'm, say, you know, I'm, you know, I'm a 40 year old man and I've worked a corporate setting, but I have no idea about social media. I don't know how, you know, I have a LinkedIn profile. I don't know how to really optimize that. Right. Mm -hmm. I have access to clubhouse. I don't know how to optimize that. How can someone build a strong online presence when there's so much noise, when everyone else is making noise, how can someone start out and get that momentum and get that motivation for them to build that solid presence? Yeah, yeah, that's a great question. I think that's really what is, uh, you know, what is bothering a lot of people when they go and they start. I think what happens, as I've mentioned, is that people like their preferences. So let me let me kind of start by giving you an analogy. So Yavi, are you an Uber or a Lyft user? Uh, more so Uber. Yeah. Okay, so you're Uber, right? Okay, now think about this. The last time you get on, got on in an Uber, did you tell the driver, hey, take me wherever you want to go? Absolutely not. Yeah. No. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> so we mistake our preferences for then allowing that preference to dictate our direction, mm. right? And so while you would never do that in a cab, in a black cab, a yellow cab, you know, in an Uber, in a Lyft or anything that seems ridiculous, we do that all the time as soon as we get online. And we say, well, I happen to like LinkedIn, so therefore I'm going to start doing LinkedIn. And LinkedIn wants you to do certain things, right? But we, before we grab, you know, get onto what is a vehicle, social media is just a vehicle for us to get to our most ideal client. We need to think, wait a minute, regardless of what vehicle, do I actually know where I'm going? Do I know what it is that I have to say? And is the thing that I have to say of unique and intense value for my most ideal client, right? And at that point, then it becomes preference and we shouldn't decide our preference. Instead, I should say, if I want to connect with Yavi, I might be with Yavi and I might say, hey, Yavi, do you want to take an Uber or a Lyft? And I'm going to do whatever Yavi wants to do, right? So I'm going to let my ideal client's preferences dictate where I go. And then the, the question that you asked, it, it, I'm kind of getting to it a little bit in a longer way, but then you said, then how do I go about being a master of that? 
Well, I'd say, uh, you know, first of all, getting really deep in that persona work and really understanding what are the questions they're asking? Are they asking them online, et cetera? That's really key. But once you know which vehicle you need, then you got to dig deep. And a lot of people start going, well, I'll do this one and this one and this one and this one. And I have a, a methodology that says, nope home base. Let's own one, right? So some people go out there and they'll do a little bit of Facebook, they'll do a little bit of LinkedIn, then they'll try out Clubhouse, but it's not a sustained effort. And it's also not a significant effort enough to measure enough to really understand. So I like to tell people when they're starting out more than anything, after you figure out which vehicle, get really good driving that one vehicle and really hone in on the duty of care that you have for the people who are listening to you, right? So Yavi, just for example, when we came on for the podcast, you've asked me a few questions about what kinds of things I prefer, how I want you know to, to be treated as a guest. And I, that's very kind, it's very polite. But my response is, Yavi, this is your audience. You gotta do what's right for them, right? And if I'm, if, if I'm delivering horrible information, you need to just cut, just pretend that we're recording and don't ever send it out to your audience because if it doesn't help them, <laughs> then that's not you really loving them. And they're gonna know that from you. And so they keep following you because they've learned to love you. And so you, you, you've honed in on that from your podcast, right? And so now it's about how you continue to nurture and feed that same audience and deliver what they expect from you. So, it, you know, you, you have your podcast and then which one, maybe you branch out and you go, okay, I'm going to be on LinkedIn. And then now that you have those things solid, then you can go into Clubhouse and you can start playing around uh -huh. and you can have some fun experimenting, but you always need to have that home base. I want to ask you this, as you're saying, as you're talking about home base, I wanted to know what's your take on events, especially now, since everyone's eager to go outside because outside is opening up. You know, I've been traveling these last few weeks and I'm like, wow, everywhere is crowded. What happened to COVID? I mean, it's still here. People are still doing their online businesses, et cetera, et cetera. But, but where do you see this going in the next maybe six months to a year? Do you see the online, you know, just, you know, being stronger than it was before? Do you see people running towards the casual, you know, in person because they miss that human interaction? What do you see here? Well, I think obviously we're we're social beings and so we're we're going to want to be together and that's going to happen naturally. But I got to tell you, some people who weren't listening to me before and now have gotten a taste of how digital allows you to do things at scale, at massive scale. In fact, LinkedIn's mission says that they are about connecting talent to opportunity at massive scale. Right. And so where people were not listening to me before on, you know, before COVID about digital transformation, now they've realized, oh, my gosh, I can get so much more work done. Now, you travel a lot for a living, Yami. I do, too. I'm on stages all the time. This last year in COVID has been, you know, a good break for me. But I do love, you know, traveling. But the, the day that COVID hit, I was standing on the first time I ever heard the word COVID. I was standing on a stage in Amsterdam talking about digital transformation and how the B2B teams really need to collaborate and prospect and make significant relationships through LinkedIn. And that this digital transformation is not for just the marketing department or just for salespeople. It is needs to be pulled across the entire organization. And I swear, I swear, the little, you know, like the conversational bubble, like was still hanging over my, my head when I came down and I had just said to everybody in the room, listen, this isn't a thing of the future. This isn't a thing that's happening today. This is in the past. And if you have not
not got on this bus, you are behind and you are going to need to speed it up here and get with the program because people are eating your lunch out on digital, right? They are making significant, meaningful connections, not the spam and the crap we all get on LinkedIn that's like, you know, some bot doing something. We all know that stuff is crap and why people keep doing it, I don't know. But the significant making of a very good, close tribe, taking care of your people, and really networking it to, to death is just so possible on digital. And so I think your your question is like, well, are we gonna, you know, go back to maybe what we were? You know, we're all hungry for being together. We're gonna do that. But in terms of work, I think some people got a taste of really how good it can be to uh, to get more done in less time. And I know you and I probably spend a lot of time on planes. <laughs> people can usually find me in 2C. There she is again, you know? Um, and I do love that aspect, but there has been nothing um, uh, more rewarding than some of the amazing relationships I've made with people this last year, because so many more people have been willing to really have significantly deep professional relationships online this year, more than there have been in the past. It's It's, it's amazing how, you know, the first time you heard COVID, you was on stage, then boom, everything just really transitioned into digital. So I, I want to talk about, I kind of want to piggyback a little bit. And I hear you saying this a lot, you know, um, you know, you mentioned like lead generating and uh, prospecting and what that looks like. I recently made a post on LinkedIn yesterday and I was talking about my experience in corporate. And then I was like, you know, I was expressing my thanks, like, thanks corporate for teaching me the importance of prospecting hours, lead generation, setting goal numbers per month. Can you teach us a little bit uh, about that? Like uh, the, the important balance of lead generation and prospecting? Right. Well, I think the first thing that I like to tell people in lead generation and prospecting is that you just cannot lead with selling. It's just nobody wants to be sold to, period. You don't like it, so quit doing it to people, right? I, I guess the question I like to ask people a lot of times is, hey, this weekend, because you got a couple of extra hours, are you just going to go out to a used car lot just, you know, for fun? No, because nobody likes to go be hassled. Nobody likes to be talked at. Nobody likes to be beat over the head with features and benefits, right? Nobody likes it. This is the person you don't invite back to the cocktail party, right? So I try and teach people, we, we have a 12-week course to become a B2B social influencer. And I really like to hone in on this one analogy that social media is really a cocktail party. And the more people will actually come to it and understand that LinkedIn or Twitter or wherever it is that you're, you're showing up, they have paid for this entire venue. They have done all the work. And there's no way that I, at Little Bird Marketing or myself, I'm ever going to create a 720 million person strong cocktail party, right? So why do I keep trying to make this on my own? Instead, I'm going to piggyback and get out there where they've done the work for me. And so, uh, you know, I think it's about getting out there and thinking, first of all, don't lead with selling, make relationships, ask what people need. And I started a hashtag on LinkedIn that's called hashtag always be helping. And if you take that approach from who you are as an expert and think, what do I have to offer first? Let me give some value to people. Let me build some rapport. And then those people will come and find you right? You know, you get known as a thought leader, you get known as a trusted person and your area of expertise, and people will come ask you questions. And yes, it does take longer. And I understand that it, you know, it takes a little bit of patience. On the other hand, in terms of digital, patience is not a virtue. And what I mean by that is be patient and don't sell, 
but don't be patient in terms of reaching out to people. Nobody knows that I went and connected with 125 people today and said something significant to them and said, hey, you know, I noticed you liked so-and-so's post. That looks really great. I really like talking to him. So obviously you must be a, you, you must become a great friend of mine, right? Nobody knows that I went and wrote that 125 times today. I can do that at scale because of digital. So I don't have to have patience in growing my network, but I do have to have patience in how I treat people and what I'm leading with so that they understand that I'm genuine, that I am here to help. And then you can start building a really solid sales and lead generation strategy from there. That's powerful. I love that. So you know, there's a saying, of course, if you're not building a list, you're not building a business, right? Mm -hmm. So email marketing, yeah. uh, when we look at email, like there's a lot of, uh, you know, new softwares I got introduced to. I wasn't into marketing. I'm kind of more, I, I would consider myself a newbie at this point. So I've discovered, you know, these various different uh, softwares that I could use to, you know, get emails. And I started to see the true benefit of just having a list of emails. Tell us about email marketing and how still to this day, surprisingly, that email marketing is one of the most underrated uh, forms of just lead generating and prospecting. Tell us a little bit more about that. Give me a referral and I will sponsor your business in an ad segment just like this. Visit stclairspeaks.com and learn more about the St. Clair Speaks Show podcast proposal. Yeah, you know, I have a lot of people and a lot of people that I respect really who don't like email marketing. And I, you know, I am a HubSpot, a Platinum HubSpot provider. So we are all a, a house that's completely certified in it. Here's the thing for me. I don't know that I'm sold on email marketing. I don't know that I'm sold on social. I don't know that I'm, I'm not sold on anything. I'm agnostic to everything. My issue is they're a tool. How are you going to wield them? And the interesting thing is where some people are getting horrible dead numbers on email, I have many clients who are seeing record numbers. And here's the difference. Again, if you know your persona, you know your most ideal client, you know what is bothering them, and you know how you could help them, even if it doesn't necessarily point to them buying something from you, even if you could just help them first, and then later on, they will think of you, then your emails, if they are in alignment with those values and alignment with that style, and in alignment with that service, then you will get an amazing open rate. And in that case, you know, it's kind of like, well, we could say, oh, well, you know, mail's, you know, passed and, and, and doesn't yield good results. No, stupid junk mail doesn't lead re give results, right? I mean, how much crap do you throw out, you know? A so lot. you can't blame mail on just people who send you bad mail. You can't blame email on people who send you bad. Look at all these stupid bots and people that are writing you stupid messages on LinkedIn. And on the other hand, for me, because I've created a really tight, you know, tribe and I take care of people on LinkedIn, I have this fierce community that always has my back and always sends me leads, you know, because of that, you know, I can't throw out LinkedIn because someone else uses it improperly. It's about using it properly. And so to that end, email can be very successful. And it, it just has to be like, just for example, we're, we're, we're recording this the day after, uh, after April Fool's Day. And every year, everybody on my list expects something amazing and creative from my team. And yesterday, we sent out a message that got record opens. <laughs> and, you know, it was about how, hey, goodbye, LinkedIn, Priscilla's going back to MySpace. <laughs> and it was just the most hilarious graphics that were very 2003 and a lot of jokes about it. And we just were very, very serious until the very end. It was like an happy April Fool's Day, you know, and this is like, am I going to make a sale out of that? 
No, but I'm taking care of my audience who expects, oh, every once in a while, Priscilla, we just need a break. We need a laugh. And, you know, we know that you're out there trying to do something creative in the environment. And so everything in lead generation is not about driving that ROI and driving that money. It's about taking care of people. And if you can do that effectively through email, then you will have an effective email campaign. You've made a very, I'm sorry, like I am taking notes. When <laughs> someone drops gems, you take notes. You don't sit there and let information go to waste. Because I always say, what good is information if you don't apply it? But you made a very valid point. And I definitely want to piggyback a little bit. And you, you said a valid point. You mentioned SEO ever so slightly, and you kind of went over it a little bit. You said, you know, making sure that the niche kind of matches up with that person, right? So I'll mm-hmm. give you an example. I've recently become a podcast publicist, you know, through a podcast guest I've had on the show. He has a huge background in real estate. He's a multimillionaire, he's a real estate investor, he's an author, but he wants to get booked on various other podcast shows. The light bulb went off in my head and I'm like, wait, hold on. I recently got into SEO. So I started to really, when I say abuse, I (laughs) abused the LinkedIn search bar. Mm -hmm. And I typed in, um, I think sales navigator or sales QL, whatever I typed in real estate podcast host or whatever. Then I got a list of various podcast hosts in the real estate market. Mm -hmm. And from there, what I did was I pretty much just put them out, got their contacts, their email, put them all on blast, sent them the same personalized message. Then I got a huge opening rate, which is why I'm excited to talk about email because I just figured out what works for me, SEO and emailing. So talk to us a little bit more about SEO and how someone could take advantage of that if if they're not familiar. Okay. Well, search engine optimization is just basically the way that we tell Google, which let's quit saying search engines, it's Google. (laughs) I mean, um, Google optimization is (laughs) uh, informing Google that that the the AI in the sky that is Google, informing them what you are an expert about. And expertise is two-pronged. It's expertise and authority, Right. Right. And this is exactly how Google sees it. So they want to know how good are you at this and also how prolific are you at Uh this? And so what happens was when people write copy that is on their owned media, their own website, right? Because LinkedIn, Twitter, Facebook, Clubhouse, any of those things, those are all leased land. Those do not point back to me, right? Um, And so when we write on our own proprietary platforms, what we do and who we are, and we do that ad nauseum, then we're informing or training Google about who we are and who we should, who we should appear to, right? So let's kind of back that up a minute. So Google's very smart. This is like not a person sitting there. This is a massive AI engine, right? And so if I am in standing on, you know, uh, at Miracle Mile in Chicago, and I say, where can I get a good pie? Do you think it's going to send me to a bakery or do you think it's going to send me to Giordano's for, for pizza? It definitely knows based on where I am and what I'm saying, how I'm talking, it knows intent, right? So that's really what Google is honing in on because Google, let's just back up even further. Google is a company that is making money out of advertising. They are not there to try and deliver us to the right website. That's They're doing that so they can make money. Their first and foremost thing is to make money, right? But how they make money is by making that a pleasant user experience. And it's not pleasant to me if I say, hey, where can I get a good slice of pie? And they send me to a bakery in Chicago. That makes absolutely no sense. They should send me to a pizza place. So I'm not going to use Google next time if I just had a bad experience. 
So Google needs to figure out what is it that I intend? How, how, and where, who should they connect me with? with? So basically what we say is that a really great pizza joint in Chicago better talk all over their website about pizza and pie, right? So they need to talk about deep dish. They need to talk about, I mean, they need to talk about it six ways till Sunday. But the moment that that same uh, restaurant starts highlighting an employee on their blog and says, so-and-so likes to work with kids and likes to blow up balloons on the weekend and also you know, is a bobsledder. Now Google is thinking, yeah, is your website about bobsledding or is it about pizza? And so now you're confusing Google, <laughs> right? And so you used your own platform to kind of hide the, the truth about what you do. Instead, you should just continue to write about deep dish pizza over and over and over again. So I'm beating a dead horse with this, but I think we can all extrapolate out of it what does this mean for our websites? If you really want to be known for excellence in uh, podcast production or in placement, podcast placement or uh, podcast interview brokering, you need to find all the keywords around how do other people look for that? And you need to write about it six ways till Sunday from every single angle. But the moment that you start talking about something else, like uh, email marketing, right? You might reference that once or twice, but if you write three or four or five articles, now Google's thinking, well, are you an email marketing specialist or are you a podcast placement? But now it's confused, right? And until you get a massive amount of literature that really clarifies it for Google, it's going to struggle. And so when you are wondering, why can't I get found for something? It's usually because we've trained Google to not find us <clears throat> or not feel that we're significant for that fact. That's a very powerful point. You also said a, a key word, a very key word. You said intent, right? Mm -hmm intent then you also mentioned you know if you're posting these well in short in abbreviation you know you you, you want to stick to your content right your niche and avoid putting that clutter around it so google doesn't pick up all this other stuff so you know you search your hobby st Clair, it won't say truck driver or something like that right so i want to make sure that that content is, is solid so give us a little bit more guidance like break down the keyword like uh, intent, right? Being more intentional. I hear people talk about this a lot on, on Clubhouse, especially, you know, people mm -hmm. are on this app all day and you hear people talking about being very intentional on this app, right? Being intentional on LinkedIn as well. Uh, break that down for us. What is being intentional, especially on social media? Well, I, I think about it, whether it's social media or let, let's look at it in marketing uh, altogether. And this is something that all of your guests can just crib from me. Okay. This is the, the IP that my company has created. It's called SOAR, S-O-A-R. And I really believe that for your marketing to SOAR, it needs to be these four things. It needs to be strategic. It needs to be organized. It needs to be accountable and it needs to be repeatable. Right. And so it not only needs to be those four things, it needs to be those things in that order. So you don't have to work with Little Bird Marketing. There's the freebie for you. Think about anything you're about to do and make sure that at first it's strategic, then you organize it, then you hold it accountable, and then you repeat it. And this is what I mean by this. I'll break it down. This is what I believe being intentional about what you do in marketing is all about. So first of all, the strategy, and we do have a freebie. If you visit littlebirdmarketing.com, we have resources galore. We are not salesy people. You can go download all the stuff you want. We won't bother you, I promise you. Um, you might get a funny email from us every once in a while, but you'd have to raise your hand for us to you know, reach out to you. But you can get a lot of freebies there. 
And if you want to DIY it, then start down that path. Sometimes that's the very beginning of a journey. We're not DIY people. We're done for you and we're collaborative, but it's a great place for people to start and to try and figure out what has gone wrong with their marketing in the past. But so my point is strategy. We start with that persona development. We sharpen that blade a lot and make sure that we know before we even write, I don't care if it's a two sentence social media post or it's a you know 5,000 word blog. I'm not going to write anything until I know who I'm writing to. I need that audience right in my head. And even for clients I've worked for forever, even for my own brand, I will put the physical, you know, I'll put the physical paper in front of me of the persona work in front of me while I'm writing that social post because I'm thinking about that person. I'm taking care of that person, right? So that's the strategy. And then, uh, and we, we talk about topics and topic clusters in that strategy so that we are, like we just talked about in SEO, writing around the same stuff all the time. Um, and then once we own something, then we can start broadening that scope. But the O is organization. We put everything within 30 days of working with someone out on a uh, transparent project management board they can see the entire year of their marketing in front of them. So no more coming into work on Monday. Oh my gosh, what are we going to post on LinkedIn? <laughs> I'm here in this podcast with you and I'm free to talk because we have 2000 social media posts that we've already strategized. We've already graphic. We've already hashtagged. We've already written. We've already scheduled. And I don't have to be thinking about what's going out tomorrow. You know, the April Fool's joke that we had, somebody created that in December. <laughs> and got the ball rolling because we don't want to be stressed out. We want to be able to be free to be present with our actual clients, right? So you have to organize it. Who's a, who is uh, actually in charge of it? When are they in charge of it? What are the steps to it? For example, when we write a blog, it's about 52 items that you need to do to write a blog. Well, when I say to you, hey, Yavi, yeah, we're almost done with that blog for you. Well, Priscilla, do you mean you've done two items or you've done 50 items? out of the 52. Like when you say almost done, is that what I mean by almost done? You know, so we take that guesswork out of it. And then the A is accountable. And I think that's super important because what'll happen is someone will get going down a path and then all of a sudden someone goes, oh, squirrel. <laughs> you know, it's shiny object syndrome in marketing all the time. And the accountability is to say, somebody all of a sudden will have a great idea. Maybe it's a fantastic idea. I'm happy to listen to it. But my next question is going to be, that sounds great, but is it in alignment with the strategy we set out? Can we organize it? If we, if it, yes to those things, then let's go ahead and do it. it. It's accountable to the system. But if we say no on either one of those, I've now given the owner the beauty and, and, and the opportunity to start saying no to things, right? Because there's no shortage of things we could do out there in marketing, right? We need to start saying no to something so we can hone in and really test our system. And then the last thing, and it happens after uh, for a year, you can't come in and start measuring stuff at the beginning. People ask me all the time, Hey, well, what kind of metrics we're going to get? And what, what, you know, it's like, we didn't get traction on this first three posts. It's like, <laughs> okay, that's down the pike. You know, you got to set your own benchmarks. You got to know how your content performed. And so the last one is our repeatability. Once we get the data, then we know what we want to double down on. And more importantly, we know what we never want to do again in marketing right? So I think that's something that anybody can crib. That to me is intention in marketing. I love that intention in marketing. All right. So I have a couple last questions for you okay. and I kind of want to swing back to clubhouse with intention in marketing, uh, persona development. I mean, this, this app clubhouse just came out the gate, just swinging, just, 
you're, you know, you're hearing various different people speak. You know, I've had the honor to have a conversation with Les Brown. That's someone that I idolized before I even got into speaking. But th these are conversations that would never happen because of this app. You know, I've heard Gary Vee talk and, you know, Grant Cardona, et cetera, et cetera. Tell us a little bit more about how we could be intentional on Clubhouse and still, you know, build organic community without, and you mentioned this, without having to be as salesy on Front Street with people. Because mm -hmm. they could sense that, of course, when they're in the rooms. Right. Absolutely. I think you have to go out there saying, first and foremost, what's the value that I'm bringing right now? Why should someone listen to me for an hour? Right. Um, but the other thing is, is that in order to bring people there, you have to have a following somewhere. Right. So you mentioned a lot of big names all of a sudden. And guess what? Those people already have a home base, whether it's their email list, whether it's their LinkedIn. So it's going to be very easy for them to jump over to a new, you know, a new um, platform and do very well. But what about the use and the means of the world? You know, it's just like when you get on a new platform, you got to start over. Right. And so there is a little element to that. And so I would tell people a lot of times, you know, it, in some ways, Clubhouse can be the new fangled thing and the new squirrel, you know, that's running. And you should not go do it unless your home base is secure. Now, if your home base is secure and you can bring some people over that help you launch into that, and then maybe you can grow it into a different audience than you could ever get on LinkedIn or could ever get on Twitter or on Facebook, then that's great. But you have to be careful about spreading yourself too thin. You know, the other thing with Clubhouse or with any platform that you go to is it does take time to learn that new platform and to master it. And there's that 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 piece that's really interesting with experimentation. It can also be very frustrating. Um, and then a lot of people say, oh, well, first of all, it's free. This is what they said about Facebook. It's free and it's, you know, and it's easy and it's, it's all this kind of stuff. And I remember when I first started, people would make fun of me in this town because they're like, nobody's ever going to pay a company to do social media for them. It's free. I'm like, oh, you want to bet? <laughs> Watch this. It's going to get complicated, right? And it is very complicated. And so I think sometimes we think, okay, Clubhouse, it's really exciting and it's free. Guess what? It costs you a lot of time. And I'm all for it. I'm really enjoying it. I've got a lot of, I've got a market research group that does market research water cooler. I've got a social selling one that I do with a group weekly. Uh, we have a couple, we have a digital transformation one going on. I think it's great to get a new audience and really to deliver value. I find for me, a little tip is that I like to be able to share clubhouses with people. So all of the burden of running it is not on me. And I think those kinds of collabs are really interesting. But my point to this is to say, please don't underestimate the cost uh, in terms of time and effort, energy and frustration and hassle, you know, that it is to go into a new platform. So make sure you know what your strategy is. What are you trying to get out of it? And I'll, I'll give you one bonus on that. We have this um, market research water cooler that we're in. And when people come in the room, my job in our co-host group, my job is to go in and make sure I follow everybody who comes into our room and I open up their full profile and I see if I can find their Twitter handle. And I have a running spreadsheet of anybody who's ever come into our clubhouse. And if they had a Twitter handle listed on their profile, it's there. Then our entire group goes and follows them on Twitter. Right. And so we're really trying to make the rounds. I want to go deep and make these connections. So if I see them on Clubhouse, I want to meet them on Twitter. If I meet them on Twitter, I want to meet them on LinkedIn. If I want, if they're on LinkedIn, I want to give them something valuable. So they'll give me their email address and they'll be in my email. Like you need to have this interconnectivity 
about what you're doing, especially when it comes to new, doing a new platform, because all of those places minus the email list are leased land and they can go away at any moment. And if you hadn't, haven't made good on, you know, what am I going to do if, you know, Facebook goes away tomorrow? What am I going to do if Clubhouse goes away tomorrow and the beta test goes, no, never mind. And all of the time and effort that I've spent, you know, building my business on leased land is gone. So we have to be very sober about what we're thinking and what the strategy is to use these things, which Guy Kawasaki was said that social media is God's gift to entrepreneurs. How can we use this amazing gift? But are we sure that the strategy needs to be to pull them back so that we can actually own that relationship at some point? Man, that was powerful. I, I love it. I love it. Am and, I messing with you right now? <laughs> no, no, you're good. No, you're good. Like that was powerful because it's like, you know, when you when you when you break it down like that, of course, yeah. Look, nothing's guaranteed, as you said. It's still in the beta. They could snatch that away. You have forty thousand followers on Clubhouse. That doesn't mean dang diddly squat if you didn't know how to kind of transition them into a CRM. I, you know, I heard you mention HubSpot, but I know yeah. you're pressed for time. So I want I want to ask you this. Um, what is what is the power the, I want to say the power message this is new you're the first one I'm doing this with uh, the power message you want the audience to take away from uh, this episode just you know just learning about yourself learning about what you do and also learning about the benefits of building an online presence through social media and content marketing what what is the power message you want the audience to take away mm -hmm. well I think for me it I love that you honed in on the word intention that I, I I said early and you were like oh I like that and let's go with that so let's put the power uh phrase around intention I think a lot of times we get tripped up on we're a marketer we're an entrepreneur we're a boss we're this you know we're, we're sales you know uh, a sales manager whatever it is I guess just stop for a minute just breathe what is my intention right so what is important to me right now? How am I showing up in the world with my, with, whether it's with my tribe or out to the wider world and my message and the things that I have to give, who does it serve, right? And so the, the last piece of that is to also reflect and say, am I having the impact that I wanna have, right? And so I don't care if I go on email, if I go on I, all these other things. I think sometimes just decompressing for a minute and just saying, is this what I intended to do with my one precious life? You know, is this, is this an impact that to me is in alignment um, with, with my values and with really my dreams, you know, and I, I'm not trying to get all woo woo on people, but I'm just saying, sometimes we get so it's kind of like what I said, we don't want to be sold to, but then we walk in and we put on our manager's hat and now we're like, okay, now I'm going to sell to people I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. You didn't like that two seconds ago before you walked in your office door, you know? So why do you think you like it now? Nobody else likes it now. So it's, to me, it's that alignment and that intention. And to say, if you want to go out and serve a particular group, then don't let anybody tell you, you can't do that on LinkedIn. You can't do that on Clubhouse. Everybody has proven everybody wrong over and over again. If you are in alignment with your intention and you serve those people well, people will follow you, Right. And you, you, if you, if you are first and foremost giving of your expertise, and if you are a good listener so that you can understand what it is that they need, then you will get that great following. So for me, that's a powerful thing, no matter what you do. Obviously, I love to be good at tips and tricks and, and be good at the technical side of marketing. But for me, those things don't matter if you don't have the mindset and you don't have your intention in the right place. 
Oh man, that was that was good. That was solid. That was that was beautiful. That was beautiful. Are we friends now because I'd really like to be BFFs. You know, you know, I, I I I'm a little salty. I don't have that much time with you, but I am so glad I got the opportunity to sit down, get to know you, listen to you speak, man. It's like you know, you're talking to my soul, and you know, I, I love this. I love I love the acronym for sore. I wrote that down. And I'm like, wow, like. It, Life is just so amazing when you start to write things down, you see things on paper, then you start to see things unfold. It, it's it's beautiful. I strongly believe in, you know, this could sound cliche to some people. We see it, we hear it all the time. You know, you're one connection away. I, I feel like that with my podcast guest, right? Mm -hmm. You know, I'm one interview away from hearing that message right. and everyone comes with the message. But for me, you know, the, the, the message that I'm taking away from this interview is to move with more intent, right? To live within purpose. And I was questioning my purpose just last week and I was asking myself, what is my purpose? Is this what I want to do? And I smiled and I said, no. Then I started to do what I wanted to do. And it, it's this. So it's like, I, I, I love, I love this. I love this. Ah, oh, man. Like this was so good. <laughs> Obviously this is not going to be the last time I get to hear you speak because of apps like clubhouse. We get to get on, you know, get in the app, see what room Priscilla's hosting, <laughs> jump in there, pick her brain and cons consistently have the conversation just go on from there. But I want to thank you for your time. For the audience, for those who are now listening, of course, to the St. Clair Speaks Your Podcast, and you want to follow Priscilla on her journey, tune into her podcast, uh, Pondering from the Purge. Also, connect with her on Clubhouse, LinkedIn, uh, Facebook. Priscilla, are you on TikTok? I am not on TikTok. I, I I make it for my kids, but that's it. And I'm actually, I, we're on Facebook for Little Bird Marketing. I'm not on it personally. Um, but then you can also catch me on Twitter. I'm Little Bird Mama, and that's M-O-M-M-A on Twitter. Um, that's also what I am on Clubhouse, but I am so easy to find on LinkedIn. I'm always there. So definitely hit me up with questions you have about, you know, just honing in on your LinkedIn prowess because I've got lots of tips and tricks there. And I have on one of my pages, um, Little Bird Marketing forward slash DLA. I have a really great free video that people can download. It's about a 25 minute uh, training on the very next steps that you should take, like some real game changers for your presence on LinkedIn. So please take that as my gift. Awesome. Thank you again for stopping by on the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. And for the audience, don't forget to stream this episode and all episodes of the St. Clair Speak Show podcast. Now streaming on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Audible, Pandora, Overcast, Radio Republic. You could watch this full interview from YouTube and Facebook. Now, I want you guys to also do one thing. Now, Priscilla has dropped a lot of gems. She also mentioned SOAR. She mentioned so much various different things. If she said something that really resonated with you, please comment or reach out to her and let her know that message was the message that you needed to hear, okay? Like I always say, what good is information if you don't apply it? I'll see you guys in the next one. I'm out. <laughs> Peace.